podcast one production. G'day, I'm Tim Harcourt and welcome to the Airport Economist. In this first series, I'll take you to the key markets of the world where you can do business and do it well. I'll guide you through the economics, politics and social history of each place and talk to an expert about the tricks and traps of doing business in each particular market. But first, strap yourself in because in this episode, we're going to Chile. I first went to Chile in a remarkable and unusual but lucky experience well, it was 1997, and I went to a trade policy conference, a really big one that Chile put on to really showcase itself. And as a trade nerd, I was in seventh heaven. And why was I there? Well, as a very young man, I was working for the Australian Council of Trade Unions. And the then legendary secretary, Bill Kelty, said to me, well, apart from your day job, which is the national wage case, what do you like doing policy-wise? And I said, trade policy and Aboriginal affairs. And he said, well, you can have them both. And what it meant was that when there was this big conference in Chile, I was the Johnny on the spot that got invited. So I went off to Chile. Uh, The conference was the real coming out of Chile as an open democratic country after years of dictatorship. They really wanted to show that economically they were advanced. They were the South American Jaguar, like the Asian tiger. They were committed to free trade open investment and transparent and open institutions. And all the big names were there. It was a big deal. There was a president of Chile, the president of Brazil, the foreign minister from Argentina, and I actually met the president of Chile himself, Eduardo Frey. And he asked me what I was doing there as a relatively young man, an Australian from the Australian Council of Trade Unions. Well, he had a point. I was a bit of a fish out of water because people were very distinguished and very senior. But it was amazing to the extent that Chile was using the conference to open itself up to the world. It had been a dictatorship under Pinochet. It had reformed itself economically. It was looking towards the Asia-Pacific and fighting the usual Latin American disease of corruption in institutions. And they wanted to be very much transparent, honest and open. In fact, when I took the taxi from Santiago Airport to the hotel... The taxi driver chased me down the avenue because I'd paid him too much and he wanted to make sure I had the right change. And I thought, boy, this really is a commitment to transparency and honest institutions. Well, 20 years later, I was at the Australian-Chile Economic Leadership Forum and I met again the now-retired President Eduardo Frey. And he remembered me as the young Australian trade union economist in Santiago all those years ago. And I think he still didn't work out why I was there. But we got talking and we talked about the differences in Chile over the 20 years. Chile had had its success. It had joined the Organisation of Economic Cooperation and Development in Paris, was considered an advanced economy. But you can only open your economy once, really, So it was now into innovation and investment, being less reliant on copper. And what I noticed too was that there were over 230 Australian companies in Chile and even the CSIRO, 
has set up its own Chile office to look at renewable energy, mining, fintech, agribusiness, and so on. So Chile is really the hub of the global economy for Latin America and very much a global player as a result of those reforms that it made over the last 20 years. For more on Chile, I'm joined by Harris Gomez, the managing partner of the Harris Gomez Group. Good morning, Tim. Now, Harris, you provide business and legal advice for Australian companies entering Chile and also Colombia, Peru and others in the region. And you're president of the Australian Chamber of Commerce. Now, Chile's always been seen as the jaguar of South America, like an Asian tiger. Yes. A very successful economy. Is that the case now? Is this like the place for Australian businesses to base themselves when they go to South America? Good question. Um, Chile has been pretty much a gate to Australian companies uh, over decades. Um, pretty much happened when the likes of even Alan Bond went in there in the 80s uh, when he bought the telecommunication company and then you had BHP following um, with their big uh, investment in Escondida and other, other, other projects. Um, and on the back of all that, you had a, obviously a flurry of uh, um, service providers in particular in the mining, what's called as the METs, or the mining equipment uh, technology service providers following those companies. And so Chile over time, is, if you want to call it that, proven itself to be a, a safe uh, place to set up in terms of uh, the rule of laws respected, low-level corruption, an easier place to do business. Even the taxi drivers give you back their change, I noticed, when I was <laughs> taking taxis around Santiago. <laughs> oh. It's a very honest place, isn't it? It, it, it is to do business. And, uh, and that's what I found when I went to live there in uh, 2008, decided to really push the office, told my wife we're only going to be there for one year, promised maybe maximum two years, and we stayed six. Um, not only do you have a good time, but uh, things do take a bit longer, which um, we can touch on a little bit later on. But I experienced it firsthand. Uh, it's a good place to do business. Now, last time I saw you in Santiago, you hosted uh, a bunch of Australians at the Expo Min Week. Yes. Now, that is basically one of the biggest mining conferences in the world. They have it in Chile, and there's, what, 230 Australian companies based in Chile. So it's quite is – that, is that where the opportunities lie in the mining sector in Chile, or is it much broader than that? Well, Chile is, is a mining country and uh, relies very heavily on, in particular, copper. For those that don't know, Chile is the biggest copper producer in the world, so that's what keeps it driving, which is uh, good and bad. Australians obviously are good miners, um, are good inventors, have a lot of technology to offer, so it's a natural hub to be there. Um, but there is a little bit of a move to go into other industries, uh, fintech, agribusiness, agribusiness. There's um, quite a few Aussie companies doing quite well in those spaces. Banking technology is another area that's growing. The economy is, it needs to grow. So even though Chile has opened its doors and there's a lot of competition too at the same time, but I think if Australia, you know, if you've got a product or service that does really well and say one or two in the market, then you should seriously consider being there. Chile is a long, thin country, so there must be infrastructure needs uh, and it's very dry in the in the north and very a lot of water in the south. Does that mean you know, water management, renewable energy is important in Chile? Correct. Uh, there's an important water management congress that's held every year in Viña del Mar. Quite a few Australian companies go and exhibit and participate in that. In terms of the renewable energy, uh, you've got the likes of geothermal, which is an interesting space, and obviously wind with Pacific Hydro there. You've got solar, which is a big area. Uh, so, yeah, being such a long country, it's got all, 
all the climate. You've got, you know, you know the driest desert up in Atacama all the way down to Patagonia. When I took my MBA class from the University of New South Wales there, we went to start-up Chile. Yes. And they told me there's a real Chilicon Valley. There's a lot of startups based in Santiago. Does that how Chile sees itself as a sort of startup capital of South America or is that, you know, just part of their moving away from copper to some extent in their economy? Um, I think it's a blend. Startup Chile, so what they call it, is pretty much a model based, my understanding, from the Israeli model. And in the past seven to ten years has attracted a lot of interest. It's a company called Service Rocket, which is a client of ours. And we saw them grow from a one-man band to now, I believe, they've got about 25 people in Santiago. And they, were, they, they went through the startup program, which is funded by the Chilean government. Now, when an Australian business wants to get going and it wants to go to Chile, maybe for Chile itself or as a, a foot into South America as a whole, what would your advice be? I guess it all depends. It's horses for courses, depends on the, the client's needs. But one thing that does stand out is you need to send your A-team into the place. I've, setting up an office in 2001, made a lot of mistakes, probably you know tried to be relaxed about it and didn't give it the focus it needed and thought I could drive it all out of Sydney. And it wasn't until 2008 I realised you need to have your A-team. You also need to show a commitment show your face um, as, as a minimum, and what I mean by that, at least visit three to four times a year. The mistake that I've seen happen, and it's an innocent mistake, is that you know companies will go to, say, a mining exhibition and, like Expo Min, come back going, great. I mean, the Latinos are very friendly. They'll have lunch with you. They'll have a pisco sour with you. Everything's great. But then they go back to Brisbane or wherever, uh, you know, in Australia, and they discover that, hang on, the communications pretty much comes to a grinding halt. Not totally, but there's not that fluid communication going on. So what I say is uh, you need to get over there, you know, at least um, three or four times a year and spend at least 10 to two weeks. So if you haven't got that time and you haven't got those resources, you're not ready to be there. So you've got to be fly and fly out on a regular basis, Correct. not, just a, not Correct. just a once-off. Correct. But in terms of actually setting up, if you wanted to put your flag up, it's pretty straightforward. It's not very expensive. Uh, you can set up a company. There, it does take longer than Australia. There's the off-the-shelf purchase of companies doesn't exist. Uh, they're moving towards that. So typically, to set up a company, you have to allow about four to six weeks. So I say that because the amount of times we get clients ringing us up saying, oh, we just want a contract with BHP Chile. We need a company to drive through the business and we need it yesterday and causes a bit of angst and uh, issues when, you know, you've got that lead time of four to six weeks to set up. But would you say Chile is easier place to do business in legally than, say, Brazil or Argentina in the sense that it is a gateway economy? It is. Um, and again, not to discredit our Latin cousins, I'll throw sand in their eyes, um, it just some jurisdictions take longer. Um, some are more friendly to foreigners. The good thing about Chile, you know, they love Aussies. I mean, we've got a free trade agreement with Chile. We've got a double tax agreement with Chile. Uh, so does Peru now. Argentina does have a double tax agreement with Australia. But Chile is used to dealing with foreigners. Chile is regarded as, and you probably know better than me, Tim, as one of the most open economies in the world. They were the first uh, country to have an FTA with China. So they're, they're, they're very pro-foreign investment. Um, and as a lawyer acting for Australian companies um, for 20-plus years, I've never seen a case where, you know, being foreign works against you. I would say actually say probably might even give you a little bit of an edge because especially having the brand Australia. Um, so, so typically Chile would be a good starting point. Um, the economy's not that big. So what a lot of companies do is they will set up in Santiago or in wherever the, you have to be, um, and then they will look at migrating to places like Peru, which, which is happening now. So you might test the waters, 
um, get a feel for the place, and then use your Chilean company to get into places like Peru, Mexico, and other countries that share free trade agreements with Chile. So have a Chilean hub, but expand around the region. Now, you're born in Australia, uh, of Chilean origin. What's it like in terms of customs and culture? Do you socialise with your business partners? Is it family orientated? What's the sure. What's the general rule? Well, things do, as you probably everyone knows, they take longer in that part of the world. And there's a, probably a good reason for that. It's not that you know, the Latinos or um, uh, one of the too relaxed. Um, it, in the, on the business side, they're, they're very they're conservative, um, especially the Chileans. And they want to make sure that if they're going to transact with you, that there's going to be a long-term view. So I guess we're uh, differentiate between Australia and, and Chile is that a deal here in Australia may take, say, typically, so say just for argument's sake, a month to negotiate. In Chile, it may take three months, say, multiply of three for argument's sake. And the reason being is because a lot goes on on the front end. As a lawyer, I've realised that uh, in Chile in particular, and, and I could probably say the same for most of Latin America, from Mexico down, they're a non-litigious society. The point I'm trying to make is that there's a lot of uh, energy and the effort goes in getting to know your partner, who you're going to do business with. And the view that the Latinos take is, well, if I can't have a, a pisco sour or a glass or two or, or more uh, wine with my Australian partner, then I'm, I'm not sure I can do business with you. So a lot will go in the beginning. And then once the deal's done, so let's say get over that three months, um, and I always tell this to my Australian clients and, and members of the chamber and, and, and the council, is that just exercise some patience because once you sign, because it's not a non-litigious society, there's a very low chance that you end up in the courts. So you end up taking a long-term view. And all the clients I've asked have been there for 10 years plus. They all pretty much say the same thing. So as soon as that deal was, geez, it took a long time to sign that deal. But as soon as it was signed, it was basically, it was sorted out on the way. Unlike perhaps in Australia, well, handed it to the lawyers, let them sort it out. And you may end up in the, in the Supreme Court having a dispute. So that's, I guess, where the difference is. In terms of um, how you negotiate, um, I was uh, had the bad um, experience of being in a boardroom with an, an Aussie that had flown over. Maybe he was very jet-lagged, but uh, he wanted the deal done and wanted it done quickly and showed a little bit of uh, aggression and said, you know, back in Oz, we do it this way and was been, you know, sort of really pushing his uh, agenda and, and you could just see the, the Chileans uh, not like that because they're not used to that type of uh, confrontation. And the other thing too is a yes, as we know it in Australia, is different to a yes as a, a, in, in that part of the world. Um, and this is where sometimes people get a little bit twisted and they think, oh, you know, why the why the Chileans been a little bit uh, dodgy? You know, they, they said yes and now they're pulling back. And, and it comes down to just the cultural difference again. Um, and and, if, and if, you ask, if, if you ask a question, they will give you a very roundabout sort of answer. It's, it's all a sign of respect. If you're short with someone, in Chile and in most parts of Latin America, then you're essentially uh, showing that um, you know you don't you're showing disrespect. So unlike in Australia, where we want to get to the bottom line, you know, let's have a quick coffee, let's let's nut it out. Yep, no worries. And then if we have a disagreement, no, what you know, we can we still we still mates, we still have a beer together. There, there it's different. There, you need to um, understand that a yes just means I'm interested. So yes is a, a maybe. Correct. So, so they won't say no because it's rude, unless they really don't want to deal with you. Um, and that's sort of subtle differences, but, but important. Do you need to have a Chilean on your staff or a Spanish speaker? How important is language to Chileans? 
I would say important. Even if you make a little bit of an effort to understand a little bit of Spanish, it goes a long way. In terms of the long term, uh, I would have someone on the ground, say your general manager, that's bilingual, certainly. You mentioned Pisco Sour. This is very important for Chile and for Peru. Peru correct. Can you explain touchy, to people what touchy it is? Touchy subject there, Tim. Well, because <laughs> Peru, it's the national drink of it Peru. Is. It is. But Chile markets their Pisco Sour very well. Correct. Um, either way, whatever I say, I'm going to get in trouble. So, You're a diplomat and a lawyer, <laughs> so... so yeah. Oh, look, um, I think that... I'll, I'll, just again, from my personal experience, you go to Chile, um, you sit down and they ask you, you know, uh, for a, if you want a peritif, which is a pisco sour, and they give you the option, a Peruvian style Chilean. Um, most people go for the Peruvian. Um, but whilst if you're in Lima, in Peru, uh, they ask you if you want a pisco sour and that's it. There's no, there's no, no Chilean option. So <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> is there any, any topic you shouldn't raise in, in Chile? I mean, they did have a dictatorship for a long time, but they've been a very successful economy and a democracy for almost 30 years now. Is that sort of a no-go area unless the, a Chilean host talks about it freely? I guess always, you know, politics is always a bit sensitive. Um, in any country. In any country, especially Chile where it's quite divided uh, mm, when mm. the days of Pinochet um, and, uh, and Allende, uh, you know, the, the, the country is very divided. I mean, they had, when they had the referendum, I believe it was pretty much 51 wanted uh, uh, Pinochet out and 49 wanted to stay in. So, and, and we're talking about, you know, a few decades ago. So it's still still pretty raw. But I guess uh, there's no, I mean, you know, there's, there's, not, there's not really anything else besides that that you could probably avoid. Um, Chileans are very open. They love talking to Aussies. Um, they love barbecues. They love, you know, good wine um, and sports. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of overlap there. Do you invite them out when you go to Chile or do they invite you to their home? What's the usual protocol when you're doing business? Definitely you'd be invited to lunch um, and even dinner. So allow for that um, and don't allow, you know, one hour. Allow probably scratch off a couple of hours um, and and that's where you'll get to know each other. Um, And then you might get invited to, if they know you're staying on the weekend, it's just just good manners where they'll just say, look, you know, be expected that they may say, "Come, come over. Or the homestead. Come homestead or something like that on, on Saturday. Um, what's surprised you in your times in Chile on the upside and the downside? Yeah, when we think of challenges of doing business, what's something that was really surprised you how good it was and what was something you were a bit perhaps didn't expect? I guess what we've got sort of the good, the bad, the ugly, um, the cliche there, but uh, we, 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 we do have experiences, uh, again, having skin in the game. Um, I would say starting off with the negative, the, the bad stuff, unfortunately, the banking system is very, uh, very antiquated, I guess, uh, like perhaps it was in Australia 30 years ago where the bank manager pretty much holds the power and doesn't like the color of your eyes might, you know, give you a bit of a hard time because in Chile, uh, having a bank account is, it's, it's not a right, it's a privilege. So when you're setting up there, they want to know who's who, and they can give you a hard time. And we had a client; they it took them six, six to eight weeks just to set up the bank account. So everything was running smoothly. Everyone was happy. Everyone was going well. Just the bank account slowed things down. Whilst in Australia, I mean, you can open a bank account, you know, online. Um, so that's probably one of the I'd call bad things uh, or ugly things in doing business. So be prepared to deal with the delays in that area. Um, 
In terms of uh, probably labour contracts, how they're negotiated, um, in Australia we know you can employ you know, three or four people off, off you go, not even have a contract in writing, depends what industry you're in. Um, not recommended, but you know, it's always good to have it in writing, but it's, you're not breaking any laws. Um, in Chile and in a lot of the other Latin countries, there's a labour code, which is very strict, which is good, but Aussies can, I've seen them get caught out, um, where they don't, the, the contracts are not compliant. So essentially, a contracts are two or three pages, unlike sometimes the contracts here that I get sent over with all these restraint of trade clauses, uh, confidentiality provisions that are 30, 40 pages long. Over there, it's, it's going to be short. Um, and I say that because it's very important that uh, you're compliant because they can they can give you big fines, um, make life hard for you. That's the Labor Council. Um, and also how you negotiate contracts. Um, and I've seen so many times where um, the Aussies bump heads with the Chileans where they hire, say, a general manager there um, and they might say, okay, we're going to pay you for argument's sake 100000 And we know in Australia when you negotiate a con- an employment contract, say 100000 you mean gross. And you mean uh, you may negotiate on on superannuation, must say plus superannuation or inclusive, and that's about it. In in Chile, it's all what's called liquido, which means it's net. So if you offer someone a hundred thousand, they're expecting to get a hundred thousand in the pocket. Now I say it's relevant because in Chile you've got all these add-ons such as superannuation and pensions and insurance, and you can gross it up to as high as twenty four percent. So your budget is a hundred thousand. That's it. So a lot of on costs. You've got Correct, to be on costs. So you've got to be wary of. And where I've seen it all go, end in tears sometimes, is that the Aussie will come to me and say, oh, the, the Chilean's now trying to get an extra 24% out of it. Okay, you know, okay. and, and, and the Chilean's saying to me, well, now this is what we... So when you go in, you just understand how to negotiate things like, like labour. So be on top of that. But in terms of good, um, I would say, uh, uh, yeah, it's an, an, an easier place to do business. Um, it's, uh, in terms of setting up a company... You can uh, be 100% controlled and owned by, by by Aussies sitting in sitting in Sydney or Brisbane or Perth. Uh, unlike in Australia, where you need to have your dinky die Aussie sitting on your board. If it's Chilean wants to set up here, you need to have your, um, an Aussie on on the board. So I guess it's more open in Chile than Australia if you compare those two models. Um, and yeah, look, it just just like I said, just it takes a bit longer. Um, you know, uh, when I said in the beginning, I told my wife one or two years. We stayed six, so the multiply of three is. Pretty, you know, pretty accurate, I think. Um, other countries have got bigger multipliers in terms of setting up, but um, but relatively good place. And as you mentioned, Tim, a good hub for, for Aussies. The expat community's um, quite uh, quite active there. There's the uh, there's even an Aussie rules the team there. So oh, Santiago, Santiago Saints, and only one team, but uh, <laughs> but uh, they're there. Um, so no, it's, 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 a, it's a fun place to do business. It's safe, um, and uh, certainly the opportunities are there. What would be your final tip, apart from patience, for doing business in Chile? I would say that um, if you've got a product or service that's pretty much one or two in the market worldwide, then you should be in Chile because Chile's uh, middle class is growing. Um, and take a regional view too. So Chile could be a good place to start off with, with maybe a three to five year plan to migrate into other countries. Because if you look at the region as a whole, it's quite an um, important place to be. And if, if, if you've got something to offer, I think you'll, you'll do very well. And have some fun. I mean, that's what it's about. You know, the Latinos do expect to have a bit of fun and it's good. not everything about work. So prepare for that. So start up in Chile and then spread your wings throughout South America. That's great. Well, thanks for your insights, Harris. Pleasure. Gracias. Well, that's it for this edition of The Airport Economist. 
I hope you enjoyed listening and picked up a few useful tips along the way. The Airport Economist podcast series is produced by Liv Proud, audio production by Darcy Thompson, and executive producer is Jennifer Goggin. The Airport Economist is recorded at the studios of Podcast One Australia. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au, download the app, or look us up on iTunes. And don't forget, there is also the Airport Economist TV series and book of the same name. You can find out more at our website, theairporteconomist.com, before you take off. Well, thanks for joining me. I look forward to our next business adventure together somewhere in the big wide world. I'm Tim Harcourt, and I'm the Airport Economist.